Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Scott Cosgrip from the Human Rights Law Centre. He's a senior lawyer there. And we will be speaking with Scott about some new research that has emerged that almost 80% of Australians support a pathway to permanent residency for migrants who have lived and worked in Australia and for several years, and this is according to new research that's just come out, as I said. And we'll be speaking about um, a survey and looking, at, too, at refugees as well as migrant workers and some of the ways that they can be exploited. And we'll look at that research in detail in just a second. And then later on, we'll be speaking with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. We'll be speaking to him about an update in regards to what's happening with refugees and asylum seekers at the Park Hotel. And, of course, we can't really have a discussion about that without including the pandemic. And we'll be speaking about some lots of changes that have happened, in particular some of the draconian laws that the Morrison government has introduced, which has actually allowed the virus to rip. So we will talk about that later on in the show, but first up, we'll be going shortly to Scott. Yarra City Arts presents Music in Exile at Curtin Square this Sunday, February 13th. Come along from 6pm to 8pm for a Yarra staycation in Carlton North featuring the soulful, funky, Afrobeat-infused music of Ajak Kawai and Camille Elfagali with Rayan, who will take you on a boundary-redefining classical and electronic journey through the Middle East and North Africa. For all Yarra Staycation events, visit yarracity.vic.gov.au slash rediscover. Yarra City Arts is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with 3CR Doing Time Show. And I'd like to now welcome Scott to the program from the Human Rights Law Centre. Hello, Scott. Hi, Marisa. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you. Now, Scott, I'm just going to quickly introduce the fact that the survey was conducted by Essential Media Communications and actually commissioned by the Human Rights Law Centre with support from the Migrant Workers Centre. 
Can you talk about this research and just give listeners a little bit of a background? Yeah, well, we commissioned this research with the Migrants Workers Centre, which works with migrant workers in Victoria to understand their rights and enforce them in workplaces. And we we joined up with them um, because we were both worried about um, what we say is quite a concerning trend, whereby many people who are uh, living and building their lives in Australia aren't recognised as permanent residents, even when they've been in the country for five or ten years. Uh, more and more people in that situation are forced to become uh, permanently temporary uh, under the federal government's existing policies. Um, so we wanted to understand how that actually squares with what people in the community think about immigration and the visa system. We asked people, um, a, a, more than a 1,000 members of the community, what they think about immigration, what's good about it, how, it, how the system should work, um, and the results we think are notable because um, they're really contrary to um, government policy. Um, we found that Australians overwhelmingly agree that people who've been living in Australia um, on visas for several years should have a pathway to permanent residency. More than 78% of people agreed. Um, and 78% of people also agreed with the broader idea that that migrants living in the country should have stability so that they can plan for the life that they want. And the reason that's so important, because as I say, immigration policy in this country over the last couple of decades has been going in exactly the opposite direction. Absolutely. And essentially, is it fair to say that the federal government's immigration policy of unlimited numbers of temporary visas, which has combined with few pathways to the highly restricted permanent migration, does that increase the risk of wage theft and worker exploitation? It, it certainly does. It's one of, one of many um, real problems with having lots of long-term residents on these precarious uh, visas. Um, and it's really a, an issue of balance. Um, you know, temporary visas aren't necessarily always bad, um, but Australia, the balance between the number of people on temporary visas and the opportunities for those people to become permanent after a number of years is really out of whack. We're talking about um, almost two million, more than 2 million people before COVID, a little bit less now on temporary visas in the community, but um, the government's actually lowered the number of um, places for those people um, to, to become permanent over time in the last few years. And it means that you've got more and more people who've lived here for six, eight, ten years, but are still in this really precarious position. So, as you say, uh, labour exploitation is one major um, uh, problem that results from this. Um, we did the research with the Migrant Workers Centre and they've been doing a lot of useful research with migrant workers about this issue. Last year, they found that 91% of the workers that they surveyed who'd experienced wage theft um, had arrived on a visa with no pathway to permanency. Um, you know, almost nine out of 10 people. And uh, the, the underlying reason for this is that in different ways... Temporary visas close people with these vulnerabilities that allow them to be exploited by their employers. Some people can only work for one particular employer. So if they speak up or if they want to leave, then their, their, their livelihood in Australia is at risk. 
Others fear losing their visa if they work too many hours. Um, recently, there have been some just unbelievable stories of, of farm workers in situations where they were getting paid an average of $9 a day. Not $9 an hour, $9 a day. Um, and uh, unbelievable stories also about um, workers from Samoa and Vanuatu um, quote-unquote absconding from their employers um, and, and paying a price from it. So all, all of these things affect different people from different walks of life, but there's a fundamental power dynamic that exists when you've got a reason not to speak up or a reason why you're tied to a particular employer, um, and that's bad for everyone. It's obviously bad for workers who get exploited. It's also bad for you know businesses that are trying to do the right thing but getting undercut. It's bad for other workers in those businesses. It, um, it's, a, it's a stain uh, on, on all of society. So worker exploitation is one obvious one. Um, there's another real uh, uh, a real outcome of having people living in such uncertainty about their visa status when their home has become Australia. And, and that's just the, the destabilisation of people's lives. If your permission to be in the country that you call home has an end date, not knowing whether you're going to be able to apply for another visa or not, that uncertainty takes a huge psychological toll. And it's pretty clear that our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues on visas shouldn't have to jump from visa to visa for years on end, um, never knowing when it's going to end. They should be able to plan for their future like everyone else without having to make these really complicated, expensive applications all the time. Um, and, and so that, that stability, I think, is something else that came out in the research. The community recognised that, you know, the stability to plan, to be able to plan for your future is someone that, that everyone should have. Absolutely. And indeed, there's been lots of disruption over the last two years because of the pandemic. It's actually, this is an excellent opportunity, isn't it, to reset the approach to immigration and political leaders really haven't taken steps, have, have they, to ensure that this system reflects the values of the Australian community? Well, well, well there's definitely a huge disruption that's emerged in the last two years. Everyone's familiar with the, the border policies that were brought in in relation to COVID, and one outcome of that has been to show the community um, who, who, what, what temporary visas are, what temporary visa holders um, look like in the community and how dependent um, our society is on them. Um, uh, and the government's taken a really uh, inconsistent approach uh, to temporary visa holders over the journey. People might remember at the start of the pandemic, the Prime Minister held a press conference that basically said, you know, if, um, if you want a temporary visa, now's the time to go home. Barely six months later, politicians were there saying, oh, dear, we, we don't have enough um, workers. Um, and more recently, um, there's been a huge political push to bring people back in. Now, um, the question here is more about what the rights of those people look like once they're living here, and especially those people who've set up their lives here, who, who, who aren't just visiting, who've been living for, you know six, eight, ten years in Australia, but are still treated like second-class citizens. 
many of your listeners may have, you know, may have had this experience themselves, or they may have um, family members or friends or, or co-workers okay. that, have, that have been through it themselves. Um, because it's a serious chunk of the community um, who are increasingly um, living without the same rights as, as everyone else. And I'm wondering, Scott, if you... if, if Let me just um, ask you something about refugees. Are refugees also reflected in this research? Because we have a lot of listeners that are, have been detained inside in... Uh, refugee camps or, you know, in, in MITRE as yeah, well? Absolutely. And in hotel yeah. quarantine? Yeah, absolutely. So the temporary protection visas, this is really the policy that, that applies to refugees and it leads to all those problems with labour exploitation and uncertainty in, in the same way it does to people who arrived as, you know, skilled workers or international students. Um, but it's it's particularly egregious when you look at the situation facing refugees in this position, um, and there there are a lot of people um, suffering as a result of this. Most of them arrived in Australia in 2011, 12. Um, so that's a decade of residence in Australia, and uh, the the temporary protection visa policy um, is set up so that they can never become temporary. Uh, they can never become permanent residents. Yeah. And I've already mentioned some of the problems that um, come up if you can never become a, a permanent visa holder. But another one that's particularly serious for refugees is family reunion. So if you're on a temporary visa, you don't have the right to sponsor your immediate family members. And for a lot of refugees who arrived in Australia back then, it's a decade of being separated from their partner a decade of being separated from their young children. Um, the government, um, you know, is willing to do the absolute bare minimum and let recognise that those people are refugees and let them stay in Australia, but while um, very cruelly denying them um, the right to be with their family. Um, we've worked with um, one refugee in this situation who's living in regional Australia with her, with her young daughter, and she has a husband. Her husband is in a um, in a refugee camp in uh, in an African country um, with their other children, and they simply have no pathway to get to Australia because she is stuck on a temporary visa uh, on a temporary protection visa. She can't sponsor the rest of her family, even though we're talking about her husband, her young kids. Um, and and um, siblings who are growing up in different parts of the world because of the approach that um, the Australian government has has taken to to refugees. Um, there's there are so many stories along those lines. A lot of them have to do with um, with uh, family separation. We all saw the images coming out of Afghanistan over the last six to 12 months, and it became very clear that refugees from that country are not going to be returning there for the foreseeable future. Um, some of them have been living in Australia for a decade on temporary visas. Um, and in fact, with federal parliament back uh, tomorrow, uh, refugees from Afghanistan who are stuck on temporary protection visas are rallying in Canberra, um, along with their supporters and calling on political leaders to... Um, to, to end this problem, to allow them to apply for permanent visas that reflect 
um, the fact that they are members of this community um, and allow them to reunite with their family members. Um, and another incredible example, um, which I saw in the news um, just today, um, is the story um, of Ali Agshah Husseini. This man is uh, the, the best wrestler in Australia, has won countless competitions, um, but because he's on a temporary protection visa, will never be able to represent the, the country he lives in. Um, so the, uh, as the time goes by, the, the, the cruelty and the pointlessness of these policies um, just becomes more and more acute um, and it becomes um, more and more incumbent on, on political leaders to recognise the injustice of, um, of, of, not re of not letting people who, for, for whom you know, Australia is home um, have the same rights as everyone else. What a dreadful thing that is to 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 be in a sport and not be able to represent. And uh, and and what's the point? I think you know a, a lot of uh, asylum policy um, that this government is continuing to oversee, and and your program has been so good at highlighting these issues um, over the years. Thank you. A lot of asylum policy was. Was, was forged around um, the the very extreme politics around um, people seeking asylum by boats back in 2011 and 2012. We're a decade on now, and the the policy many of the policies are still there. People are still stuck on Nauru and stuck in BNG. People who arrived in 2013 are still in detention today, and really for no reason than this stubborn insistence on the policy announcements at the time. Um, and uh, and I think the, the the government's insistence on the temporary protection visa policy is just one example of that. What's positive, Absolutely. I suppose, from our research is is that people can see through it. I think this gives us more confidence that people in the community um, recognise that they don't really want to live in um, a community where people's um, people have such different levels of rights, even though they're, they're setting up lives over here over many, many years. Absolutely. And, and in fact, um, you know, no-one should be illegal and, and we need to let them stay in Australia. So lastly, I believe that there's been a, a report um, that's on the Migrant Worker Centre's um, website, and I believe it's entitled... Lives in Limbo, the Experiences of Migrant Workers Navigating Australia's Unsettling Migration System. I believe that's available, is it? That's right. So Migrant Workers Centre, our partner on this research, excellent organisation that works with migrant workers um, to understand their rights, enforce them in the places they work. Um, and that, uh, that report, Lives in Limbo, was um, mainly a survey-based report that looks at the experience of migrant workers in all sorts of industries and workplaces um, and particularly that exploitation issue that I was talking about, making the very clear structural links between how people are treated and the, the visa situation that they find themselves in and made some really positive uh, recommendations for change. And one of those um, is simply to address, to, to look squarely at this imbalance between temporary visas and permanent visas in Australian immigration policy. Absolutely.
Scott, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's it's been lovely to have you. And and you know, as listeners may recall, we have interviewed Scott over a few times, really, in regards to various campaigns that have emerged out of the Human Rights Law Centre. Always great to talk to you. You too. Thanks so much. Take care. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Housing Justice After Lockdown examines renters' rights in Australia throughout the post-COVID and provides a critical discussion on the roadmap to a more secure and fairer housing reality for everyone. The forum will offer an open discussion on organising beyond the pandemic for community solidarity and housing justice. It's a free online event on Wednesday, February 9th from 5.30pm to 7.30pm brought to us by the Renters and Housing Union, the Support Network for International Students and Homes Not Prisons and also 3CR. To register, check the website for details, 3cr.org.au. Housing Justice, a free online event, Wednesday, February 9th, 5.30 to 7.30pm. See you there. And you're back with the Doing Time Show, 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au, and this is Marissa. And you just heard an extended interview with Scott Cosgriff from the Human Rights Law Centre. He's a senior lawyer. And we were speaking about refugees and also looking at research conducted by the Migrants Migrant Centre um, and other, various other organisations. So we're going to be continuing our discussion now about refugees and asylum seekers, but looking more at detention and specifically the Park Hotel. And indeed, we're going to be speaking now with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective and speaking with him also about some of the changes um, that has happened in regards to laws regarding the pandemic and how has that impacted on asylum seekers and refugees and what's going on at the the Park Hotel specifically and covering the, um, hopefully working up to covering some of the election as well. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. Thanks for having me on. It's lovely to have you. And it's been a very... uh, very concerning and worrying summer, hasn't it? Uh, it, it has. I mean, the, the, the Djokovic uh, visa fiasco has inadvertently drawn attention to the plight of the Medivac refugees who've been locked up for almost nine years now, which is just you know cruel beyond words. Uh, but as I said, it's drawn attention to that plight, and I think uh, the coalition Scott Morrison are increasingly isolated. Um, uh, I think it was last week there were 30 religious leaders who circulated a video calling for the release of the uh, refugees in the Park Hotel and calling out Morrison's hypocrisy. Um, that was Christians, Jews, Muslims, uh, Sikhs, Hindus. And the Labor Party has uh, shifted its position and is formally calling for the release of the uh, Medivac uh, refugees, uh, not for permanent resettlement, but they're calling for their release. Um, And so that's welcome as well. Absolutely. And just to, to alert listeners, and we've talked about this many times, haven't we, Chris, but the, the refugees that are detained in the Park Hotel were the Medivac refugees that were meant to be getting medical treatment, which was um, that bill was then revoked, wasn't it? 
yes, I mean that's that's right. Um, actually, in the, <laughs> since the Djokovic uh, visa fiasco has just put pressure on the government, uh, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison has resorted to outright lies about the refugee status of those people, um, suggesting that they're not refugees, when indeed, you know, 25 out of the 32 are, um, and the others, you know, faced a flawed um, process. They came here for medical treatment well over two years ago. Uh, many of them haven't got that treatment. Um, you know, Scott Morrison liked to say rules are rules, but um, when they came here, they were first told they would be released, um, and then when... Morrison himself personally vowed to overturn the Medivac legislation, uh, started locking them all up as a matter of course to suggest they were some sort of threat. Um, and, you know, and the rules changed. Uh, so they have found themselves locked up six years offshore, um, you know, getting towards three years onshore. Uh, they are refugees. They've committed no crime. Uh, it's about 60 people around Australia. Uh, well over half of the Medivac refugees, because of legal cases that were going to embarrass the government, have been released. Uh, there's, there's no good reason to to hold the rest of them in detention. Absolutely. And, and in fact, with the coronavirus, it's interesting how the Morrison government has changed a lot of the rules in regards to isolation periods being shortened. Has that effect... Do you think that will affect the spread of the virus in detention? Um, no, I don't think that rule will particularly affect the spread of the virus in detention. I mean, it, it may be that um, people being forced to work, even though they're close uh, contacts, uh, can cause issues. I mean, there's already yeah. been an outbreak at the Park Hotel uh, you know, 20, was it 24, 23 of the uh, 46 who were there at the time contracted COVID, two of them were hospitalised. Um, there's still an outbreak in the Villawood uh, Detention Centre. Uh, I don't have current figures, but no. last I heard there were up to 60 uh, isolating. Um, so it's it's already there. Like the the government, it's been an absolute failure um, of to, to implement any kind of measures. Like you know, there's all sorts of vulnerable people in detention to take them out once the outbreak started. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a school teacher, and we've got um, air purifiers um, in every classroom. We get given free rat tests. <laughs> there's been nothing like that in detention. The refugees were the last people to be offered vaccines. Um, you know, it's it's a callous uh, disregard for their lives. And that includes the Park Hotel, doesn't it? Yeah, that includes the Park Hotel. It does. Um, I mean, you I know, there's hope... people like... Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, there's people like uh, Mandy and um, Adnan who came when they were um, 15 and 16 and have spent a third of their lives in detention. Um, you know, they spent most of that time on Nauru. They should have come off with the children and families, but they turned 18 at that time. It's just... Yeah. Who would do that to a child? Who'd do that to anyone? It's just, it's, it's horrific. It is a violation of human rights. Now, just following on from my point before we get on to the next, um, the next topic, Chris, yeah. um, what I meant to say in terms of the virus is that I just meant to say that there, there are really serious staff shortages, you know, among the cleaning, kitchen and medical staff in these centres with a reduction in services. And, and I was just thinking that... You know, given that, that the refugees are not were not being tested regularly, 
and they don't have those services, it, it, it could spread given that, you know, on top of it with those shorter isolation periods? Uh, yes, that could all contribute, although it's been, the, you know, it's been the guards bringing the virus in um, mm-hmm. on the whole. Uh, exactly. And, I mean, some of the refugees probably be... They obviously need things cleaned and they need food because they can't, they're, you know, unable to do that to themselves. They're locked in their rooms. Um, but, the, you know, some of them probably welcome not having the checks in the middle of the night to do head counts and things like that. Um, the, the bigger failure, I mean, that's, it, I'm not sure of the impact that the staff shortages have had on detention. I mean, the biggest factor is people being locked up. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So can you comment now then on, on the link to what happened with the, the tennis player and how mm. that actually drew attention to the plight of the refugees, particularly in the Park Hotel? Because, you know, cynically, and I have to say cynically, I have yeah. noticed that there is double coverage on the ABC and other um, media outlets since this happened. Um, aesthetically, that's that's right. Uh, I mean, the, it's Scott Morrison hoped to make it a tough on borders issue. Um, it's you know it's failed to give him a bounce in the polls, but that's what he was hoping to do. And he stuck uh, Djokovic in the Park Hotel with the refugees, and Djokovic being there did draw attention to their plight. And so you know various media outlets were forced to cover it. Also, there's media coverage in a whole range of places you don't normally see coverage about refugees, sports journalism, and and um, and other things. And also, I mean, just the uh, I guess the, the what Liberty Victoria and a previous immigration minister have called the godlike powers in the Migration Act uh, that the government has had had a light shone on them, and the same powers and sort of you know uh, arbitrary and political nature of the of migration that was applied to Djokovic. You know, first he was given a visa, uh, then it was cancelled, then it was cancelled under different rules have been applied to refugees uh, much, much more cruelly. So, you know, Djokovic has been able to... Well, he's been deported, but he can go home. Refugees don't aren't able to uh, do that. And the same visa powers which um, were used uh, in Djokovic's case could be used to free the refugees. The only reason that these refugees are locked up is because the government refuses to issue them visas when they come to Australia for medical treatment. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's... I mean, what's happening with campaigns in regards to the Park Hotel? Is is the Refugee Action Collective still going down to protest there? Uh, yes. Um, our next big protest is going to be on uh, Saturday, uh, March the 5th at 2 o'clock outside the uh, Park Hotel. Uh, people should keep that date in their diaries. Um, also, there's going to be the um, annual Walk for Justice for Refugees event on April 10, uh, which will go from the State Library up to the Park Hotel. Uh, in the meantime, if people want, there are, there's a daily presence. Uh, it's not RAC, it's just all sorts of refugee activists. Uh, 6 o'clock on weekdays and 3 p.m. on weekends outside the Park Hotel, which is 701 Swanson Street in Carlton. Um, and anybody can get down and show their support. Wonderful. And what what's the what's the view um, of the Refugee Action Collective in regards to the election itself? 
Um, we are producing uh, some uh, election core flutes, uh, not party political, but to raise the, the profile of refugees as an issue. And if people want to hold, have them on their fence, um, their house, they can uh, contact us, uh, refugeeactioncollective at gmail.com. Um, and uh, they will say, um, oh, what does it say again? Uh, enough of uh, Morrissey's cruelty, cruelty and lies, keep the coalition out, uh, and small writing at the top, and then big free the refugees, permanent visas, end offshore detention. Um, so, you know, we're hoping the coalition gets kicked out at this election. Um, having said that, if a Labor government comes in, it is worth looking at what will change and what won't change. Uh, the Labor said they'll free the Medivac refugees, uh, but they won't um, give them permanent visas here. They might send them to New Zealand, it's not clear. Uh, Labor will also provide permanent visas for the thousands of temporary visa holders uh, in yep. Australia. Uh, but that won't deal with all of the people on bridging visas or who've had the flawed uh, fast-track system applied to them um, and been uh, rejected. And there are other outstanding issues. I mean, Labor still supports offshore detention, which we think has to end. Um, they haven't said anything about overturning Tony Abbott's ban on taking any refugees from Indonesia and there's, you know, tens of thousands and half of them Afghans uh, in limbo there where they have been for a, a decade. You know, they can't open bank accounts, they can't get health care. Um, so that's something else that we would like to see changed um, in election. So while there are potential changes from a change in government, which whoever wins the election, uh, RAC is going to keep campaigning to, to dismantle all of the architecture of... Um, Refugee deterrence. Yeah, I, I mean, I think while we're talking about the, the Labor Party, can I just keep you on for a couple more minutes, Chris? Yeah, sure. Great. Because I, I wanted to ask you about the boat policy in Labor and Labor and what the position of Labor is in regards to that, because it just seems uh, a little bit confusing there. Mm. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't mention that. Uh, Labor is still in support of boat turnbacks, uh, which is a, another shameful policy uh, as they're concerned you know, about, they're, sorry Chris they're, yeah. they're concerned, they don't want they, they want to turn back the boats as well Labor yeah they they want to turn back the boats as well uh, okay. it's, it's you know perfectly legal it's a human right to be able to seek asylum by any means whether that's by plane whether that's by uh, boats uh, but labor is saying it will turn uh, boats around. Uh, I think it would be an issue for a Labor government in a way it's not for the coalition um, in that there was, well, it's probably going back two conferences now, there was a vote on the party on Labor conference and 40% of uh, the delegates voted against vote turnbacks. So it remains a divisive issue in, within Labor and one that we would uh, hope to shift. Yeah, I mean, because so the Labor Party is is then divided about this cruel um, turn back the boats. Uh, yes, the, the the leadership of the Labor Party remains in favour of it, but many uh, you know good Labor people on the back on the ground uh, oppose it. Uh, Labor for Refugees certainly opposes it. 
And what about United Australia? Because I, I know they're really trying to scratch a foothold, foot you know, into into the political arena. Um, I haven't sat down and looked at United Australia policies. So, you know, Clive Palmer is a joke. I mean, if anything, they're usually to the right of the coalition and their role is really to try and prop up the uh, the coalition. Um, there's, yes, little good going to come from... I mean, it's, it's absurd, actually. They've got these big freedom, freedom, freedom things everywhere, uh, but they, you know, they're not talking about freedom for refugees. No, they're not talking about freedom for anybody, really. They're... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and what about... It's, you know, I've heard a really interesting discussion on Insiders on Sunday on the ABC, and I believe they were interviewing someone from the National Party. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. Um, Barnaby Joyce had apparently um, cancelled his interview. But they made a comment. She made a comment about, in regards to the fact that people at the Park Hotel, refugees and asylum seekers, were being mm. kept there to be resettled in America. I mean, I find that really surprising, don't you? Uh, it's it's true. There are some people, um, I'm pretty sure it includes Adnan, uh, who have been approved to go to the United States, uh, but there's a it's been a long, cumbersome process going through all the you know the the ticks and approvals uh, things, and there is absolutely zero reason why they can't be released while they're waiting to go to America. Like there is no good reason to hold them. I mean, Peter Dutton himself said it's you know the, the reason that some of the Medivac refugees were released was because it's too expensive, and we say it remains too expensive in human terms, in financial terms, to keep any of them in detention. It, yes, you're right. It's absurd. It is absurd. It's particularly because you know we need to be resetting the refugee asylum seekers, and the Greens seem to be missing in action. What's what's happened there? Um. The, the Greens have been... Uh, no, the Greens have still been speaking at most of the rallies that uh, we have. Oh, oh dear, um, for sure. Yeah. There, there's, you know, the, I mean, the Greens' uh, policies are, I mean, better on than uh, the ALP and that they opposed uh, offshore processing and boat turnbacks, uh, which is welcome. Um, I think they were doing something tomorrow, uh, calling on uh, the Labor Premier, Daniel Andrews, uh, to um, speak out. Because uh, while, I mean, certainly it's a good thing that um, uh, Labor and Christine Keneally have, have called for the release, but they're not exactly on the front foot about it. And given it's in Victoria, if the Labor Premier, Daniel Andrews, was to speak, it would just add to the pressure. Um, so... Yeah, the 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 Greens are. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the main thing they run on in the election, but they, you know, they are are still um, campaigning for refugee rights. And the Socialists will they be on the on the ballot paper? Um, on which ballot paper? Like on... what I mean is, will they, will they be in the election? Uh, there are various socialist groups um, contesting the election, um, but, yeah, I couldn't speak for all of them. No, there's a, there, <laughs> I was a bit cheeky there. I mean, I, I just think that the, there's so many different factions, the groups, isn't there? Yeah. But, look, uh, just we, we won't discuss that any further, I think, but 
because we are talking about refugees and asylum seekers, but I did want to mention the election in terms of refugee policy, and that is terribly important and relevant, don't you think? Uh, it is. It is. I mean, the the sad thing is that we that um, it's not going to be something that the election is fought over in that positive sense. No. Um, we're going to have to force the election. Uh, it's not going to be something that people vote on as part of the reason the coalition get away with it. Um, but it is something that I think that has, over a long period of time, just added to a sense of distaste, unease with Morrison and the you know the lies that his government tells. Absolutely. So, all right, we need to really watch this space in regards to the ongoing campaign to free the refugees and asylum seekers from the Park Hotel and other detention centres. Anything else you'd like to say, Chris, before we finish? Uh, I guess that's all. Please come along to the rally on March the 5th, which is calling for to free the refugees and for permanent visas. Uh, also, there are refugee action collective meetings every Monday tonight at 6.30 that anyone can come to. Uh, we meet in the Kathleen Syme Library and it's also the hybrid meetings via Zoom as well for people who find it hard to get in. Or, um, uh, and that Zoom link is on our Facebook page and I think our website as well. So um, if people want to come along, please do. The more people we've got involved, the more that we can do. Absolutely. And finally, the police, how are they towards um, people protesting now? Um, the We've had, well, <laughs> the, during the COVID, um, when the uh, COVID restrictions were used against right to protest, we had a lot of uh, problems. Um, we haven't had any problems uh, with the police since those restrictions, um, well, since they've been forced to be lifted. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's been lovely to have you, and keep up the good work. Okay, thank you. Oh, okay. I, I, should, I should just yeah. about the police. We're, we're still facing an outstanding $50,000 in fines from, I should say, and those court cases will be coming up where um, you know, challenging the fines in courts for people protesting the, the car convoy where I was found not guilty for incitement. So that'll be something for people to, to watch out for as well. And we the again call convoy. on the police. Uh, back in April 2020, so oh. there was a we drove around the Mantra Hotel. We want we were going to drive around the Mantra Hotel. We were stopped by the police. Thirty people were given one thousand six hundred and fifty-two dollar fines each making a total of around 50000 um, There's been a long, slow court process. I was charged with incitement, found not guilty, but the fines are still there, so we're still facing those massive fines um, for what was an entirely COVID-safe protest. And so we would call on the police, the Victorian government, to drop those fines. You know, they, should, they shouldn't go ahead. But that was in 2020, and it was $50,000 a fine. Uh, in, in total for the 30 people, yep. Please, that's all I can say. Yep. I mean, that, and you didn't even get to go to the, pro <laughs> the protest, Chris. No, no, I didn't know. They, they turned up at my house and I spent six or nine hours in Preston Police Station. But um, And that is indeed a reminder to listeners that, you know, we still need to remain vigilant, don't we, in regards to what's happening with um, the right to protest, um, particularly in a pandemic. And, of course, all your protests are COVID-safe, aren't they? 
Uh, absolutely. There's never been a case of COVID uh, spread from a refugee protest in Australia. We take all uh, COVID precautions as we did during the one that we, you know, uh, received the, the fines for. Um, we take COVID very seriously. We're only too well aware of the vulnerability of uh, refugees um, in COVID. Good on you, Chris. Thanks so much for your company and we'll, we'll talk some other time. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Would you like to get involved in the decision-making process at 3CR? Nominations are now open in 3CR's Community Radio Federation elections. You can stand as a subscriber representative and have valuable input into the programming and future direction of this diverse and dynamic radio station. Nominations are due by Wednesday the 16th of February at 5pm. For more information, contact 3CR Station Manager on 94198377 or download the nomination form from the 3CR website 3cr.org.au forward slash people. This deal really accentuates and is very complementary to the white Australian domestic policy. Here you have not only a white alliance, but an Anglo-Saxon alliance of the ultimate cultural allies of the United States banding together and the significance that it is aimed at colored peoples, at Asian peoples, at Pacific peoples. This is injecting a horrible racial dimension to this conflict. So I think the U.S. and Australian elites' racist military policies are complementing the increasingly racist domestic policies. So I think, therefore, we really have to look out very, very carefully at this very dangerous synergy between racism on the military front and racism on the domestic front. Subscribe to 3CR. Where else can you hear radical news, analysis, music and opinions? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. National Sustainable Living Festival this February for a program showcasing cutting-edge solutions to the ecological and social challenges of our times. Be part of the Decade Zero and join the sustainability movement with a month of workshops, talks, demonstrations, artworks, exhibitions, films and live performances. Let's bounce back with sustainability in 2022. Head to slf.org.au for the full details. The National Sustainable Living Festival is a 3CR supporter. Melbourne Pride will be taking over Smith Street and Gertrude Street Precinct on Sunday the 13th of February between 11am and 9pm. This free event is a state government initiative delivered by festival partner Midsummer to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria. 
the Fitzroy Precinct will be transformed into a huge street party with two music stages, activities, community stores and more. For more information, visit midsummer.org.au. Midsummer is a 3CR supporter. doing time show and we're nearing the end of our show it's approximately 4:47, and i wanted to personally thank um scott scott cosgriff and also chris breen um scott was from the human rights law center senior lawyer and also chris breen from the refugee action collective and this show i believe was specifically dedicated to refugees and asylum seekers today and so yeah we've had two extended interviews that have discussed quite specifically what's been happening, particularly in the context of the election and the pandemic, and in regards to research that's emerged in terms of um, permanent visas and the fact that Australians do want um, workers and refugees here. Now, just before I end the show, I wanted to just alert listeners to the fact that we do have subscriber drive coming up, and Subscriber Drive is very important. It runs from Monday 14th of February to Sunday the 20th of February. And we really do need people to subscribe. Um, and it is important to subscribe to all shows. And on the 14th of February is the is where I'll be um, broadcasting the Do In Time show for Subscriber Drive. And I'll, I'm hoping that we have at least um, two listeners that subscribe on the day or even before the day, because you know, with with all with our show in particular, in particular, we look at prisons and we look at um, you know um, communities that are deprived of a voice. And there's a lot of a lot of media that really you can't watch or listen to on other arenas. Um, so it is really important that people do subscribe. And let me just tell you just very quickly how to do that. So you can subscribe online, www.3cr.org.au, subscribe, slash subscribe, or you can call um, 94198377 and press 1 to subscribe. Um, and, yeah, so I, I just wanted to, to let you know that that is coming up. And pretty soon we're going to be going out with our theme song, Blackfella, Whitefella, um, by the Rumpy Band. And, yeah, so it's it's goodbye from Marissa. And there's going to be Beyond Zero coming up next. Uh, sorry, no, not Beyond Zero. What am I t- I was listening, I was talking about the old title there. It's um, Climate Action is coming up very soon. And please stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doin' Time show. And I'm hopefully going to be bringing you um, three interviews for, for next Monday. Um, but I did want to actually bring you some extended interviews today in regards to refugees and asylum seekers because we did have a big break over the summer and quite a lot has changed. And, you know, last week we... Um, brought you coverage from um, a report back on it from Invasion Day. And today we wanted to specifically kick off the year with 2022 with what was happening with refugees and asylum seekers. 
So it's goodbye from Marissa and see you next Monday from 4 to 5. Tune in every Monday 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Bye. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. It's all about a voice in our own country. We've got a reason to be screaming out, where's our voice in this country? You know, not that I want to be a part of the Constitution for that, you know. That's why 3CR is so important to, to me and this community here. We've got a voice, but it's not, you know, we, we're entitled to a bigger voice than what we've got, but it's all about having a voice. Subscribe to 3CR, fiercely independent and community controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long covid as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. Twenty Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. Twenty Years on the Inside. I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast. 20 Years on the Inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration. Well, all the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family, it's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. That's what that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.